Hello? Jason? Is that you? Christopher? Yeah. Dude, what are you what are you doing here? I don't know. Where is here? I have no idea, man. This looks like a microphone. Yeah, in fact I see three. I see a soundboard. Is there is there something in the background? A sound? I think I'm hearing something. It's really faint. Yeah, there it is. I hear it. It's getting louder. It is. Microphones, music. Oh, dude, you don't think this is what I think it is, do you? What is it? Oh, man, I know what it is. This is Operation Red Pill Freestyle, a special edition bonus episode where we try to answer some of your ORP-related questions. I'm Jason Spears with my co-host, Christopher Dean. Oh, yeah. And my special guest, Lance Fowlis. Hey. From Lancelot's Roundtable. Join us for a no-holds-barred interview in this special edition segment entitled Operation Red Pill, a behind-the-mic Q&A. So do you have questions? We sure do, because we got a lot of them from folks from all over. People who wanted to know, why are your episodes so long? And, and how can I be a guest on your show? Well, I got news for you. We're going to answer those questions and a few more coming up right here on Operation Red Pill. edition of Operation Red Pill. Christopher, Lance, it's great to be here with both of you. Lance, my friend, you now have the con. All right, gentlemen, are we ready? Yes. yes. I'm ready. All right, let's get right into it. Given this cancel culture society that we're living in, what would possess you guys to start a Christ-centric fringe Christianity conspiratorial anti-mainstream podcast like this? One that often starts from an unconventional perspective and tries to expose truth on a weekly basis while pushing the listener to think deeper about the world around them. Well, I think the thing is, nothing possessed us <laughs> at all. Because the truth is, I didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do it? No, no. Actually, it kept falling in our lap. Uh, there, were, there were several moments where people would just stop in and be like, you know, you guys should actually do a podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, what would be really cool is if you guys did a podcast. I, I would love to sit and listen to you guys. And we're like, really? Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, absolutely. Nah, that's a lot of work. I really don't want to do a podcast. And of course, Christopher being how he is, super excited. First person that said you should do a podcast. I was like, Jason, one person said we should do this. We have to make it happen. I was like, this is not of God. <laughs> Clearly, this is, this is the enemy right now trying to deceive us. But now over a, a period of time, and it really kept coming back uh, several times. I think we prayed about it mm -hmm. a few times, and it still kept coming up. So we said, all right, let's go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. And, man, you know, here we are. Here we are at launch, ready to launch. And I think the reasons um, are the reasons for doing it are just like you said, because truth is Christ-centric. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus said that when he was talking to Pontius Pilate, true Christianity is fringe. Like, you know, the whole uh, die to your flesh daily is not something that everyone wants to get on board with. And the anti-conspiratorial mainstream is trying to cancel truth. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a little bit of an oxymoron that the mainstream would be anti-conspiratorial, that everyone would get together and agree that no one gets together and agrees about these types of things. Um, but it's been said that the first casualty of war is truth. And uh, what we're doing here is really trying to remedy that. Makes sense. What's with this six-part miniseries, and why are the episodes two hours long? 
Is this going to be the average episode length going forward, Christopher? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. The goal is to do hour-long episodes. The, the six-part miniseries is really just trying to lay, lay a groundwork um, for what our podcast is about. We wanted to uh, make a comprehensive case on why you should be tuning in to the, the subsequent episodes. Uh, what would you say, Jason? You know, it's funny. Uh, originally, it wasn't supposed to be like two hours you know, in, in this miniseries. The purpose mm-hmm. of the miniseries is actually to help new listeners understand the scope of Operation Red Pill, to help them understand the, uh, the focus points which is really dealing with the satanic control matrix and then also dealing with equipping people to be able to talk intelligently about the Christian faith Mm -hmm. uh, through the war college. So to get people's minds who are not familiar with that on board, we figured that, you know, let's, let's take this and kind of break it up. And it was really just supposed to be three episodes. Mm -hmm. We got some feedback from people that, Hey, you know, it might be a lot for people to take in. Maybe you should take what you got with these three episodes and break it up. Yep. And so I said, okay, let's try to do that. Maybe instead of it being two hours, cut it down to an hour. And we didn't want to cut it in half because that didn't feel like a genuine product. You know, we wanted to feel organic. So kind of restructured it and tried again. I don't know about this Hydra system that came about, <laughs> but as soon as we did like part one of uh, episode one, mm-hmm. or I don't want to say episode one, but part one of the, uh, was it the education, education really? sector, uh, sector alpha. We were doing episode one, and uh, by the time we got done, it was like two hours. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think we both well explained <laughs> the the goal here, which was to cut it down, not yeah. double it. Yeah. But then we looked at it, and we're like, I guess we're going to have to kind of go what we got. Yep. And it seemed like there was enough material where, all right, fine, let's do what we got. And so we started splitting these up into part one, part twos, mm-hmm. and it just ended up being a couple hours per episode mm-hmm. so that we could cover pretty much the gist of what this stuff is, you know, you know what I mean? Yes. What we're going over. Yeah. So that's how it ended up being two hours long. But our goal, like Christopher said, is for it to only be about an hour. Yeah. In the future. Per episode. Yeah. Yeah. In the future. That's okay. what we want to keep it to. Awesome. Okay, guys. Each episode, you seem to reiterate the different sectors of the satanic control matrix. Why, Jason? Um, When you're, you're waking people up to this idea that they're in a matrix that's designed to control them. Uh, And you're doing that in some cases after a person being indoctrinated for decades Mm -hmm. of being convinced that that they're free and that they're not even in a control matrix to get a person out of that mindset and to get them into one where they start to see elements of control requires a lot of patience and repetition Mm -hmm. in order to convince them, hey, this is really the reality that you're dealing with. Sure. Which is why we spend so much time trying to get them to understand Satan's attempt to control everything. So we break it down into control based on three different aspects or sectors, individual control, social control, and then global control. Mm -hmm. And individually, he's using the educational system to do that. Socially, he's using mind control techniques. And then globally, it's the new world order. So when you've got education, mind control, and new world order, that's a lot to kind of get a person's mind wrapped around. For sure. Especially if they're not familiar with it. Mm -hmm. So we felt it's necessary to repeat the core part enough that a person understands it. Yeah. Right. Is that right, Christopher? Yeah, for sure. And the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of the enemy's schemes, but to expose them. Uh, So we just wanted to show how pervasive the enemy's schemes really are or how wide the net really is. Uh, And and that's why we 
just keep driving it home because it's it's everywhere. And I think once a person starts to get it, they're able to start to spot it on their own. Mm-hmm. Once they've they've grasped the the core concept, then you start to see it in your everyday life, which is what we're after. That starts to get a person out of that mindset of being deceived and actually being able to adequately ascertain what's happening around them. Yeah. And it's not just a, a scare tactic because we also bring in the Bible that it's the enemy schemes are this pervasive then the net is this wide, but the Bible has addressed all of these already. Yeah. Like, so we're not without a playbook. We're not without a plan. We're not left out here on our own. Yeah. That's a good point. I like that. Given the anti-Christian overtones of the Matrix films, why did you decide to associate your podcast with one of its core motifs, the red pill, Christopher? Well, even though the Matrix does carry this Luciferian view, um, this idea of being red-pilled or taking the red pill has really been absorbed by our culture for waking up, you know, coming away from what what has held you behind. Um, so that's really what we wanted to to, to market or to, um, to utilize that, you know, even the Bible says, wake up, O sleeper. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we're offering something to help you escape the bondage that you've been in your whole life and maybe didn't even know you were under that type of bondage. Would you agree, Jason? I would, you know, I think sometimes you just have to meet people where they're at and you got to use the springboard that society gives you, you know, mm-hmm. start some of these conversations going and everybody, like Christopher said, they basically understand the idea of the red pill uh, from the matrix. Yep. Uh, but they don't necessarily get the idea of a satanic control matrix uh, and that the source of truth isn't coming from a pill, but it's coming from the Bible. So it's kind of like the same approach that Paul took, you know, when he was talking to uh, the philosophers, mm-hmm. they understood philosophy. They had a whole bunch of, uh, idols and gods that they were worshiping. And then they even had the one just to cover the unknown God. And he was like, yeah, that one, that's the one I'm going to talk to you about Mm -hmm. because at least you know about this. So this is my segue. Mm -hmm. So we weren't necessarily trying to identify with the matrix per se. We were trying to use some of the general accepted concept to build a larger uh, understanding of a biblical truth. But it was kind of funny how that came about because you played a role in that. Hmm. Now we were having a conversation. We wanted to change our, um, our email address uh, on, on Facebook because right. it was, it was, uh, stay woke uh-huh. at truthfullyarmed.com. Right. And given some of the, some of the recent, uh, developments for the, the woke culture, we didn't really want to be associated with that anymore. Makes sense. So I remember asking, you know, Hey, we were having a conversation one day and it was kind of like, ah, we should do something different. And, uh, somehow red pill got floated around. It was like, as soon as I heard it, that's it. Well, cause we had to call Lance cause we, I mean, obviously agree on everything. <laughs> right, we do. Right brain, left brain. Right. So in in this this one anomaly that we couldn't agree on what we were going to change our our email to for truthfully armed. Right. We brought Lance into That's right. to break the log jam. Yeah, yeah, and as soon as you said red pill, I was like, yeah, that's dope. Boy, I didn't come up with that term though. No, you did. I did? Yeah. I think so. I was yeah. literally going to ask which one of you guys came up no, with. That was red I think it's you. Yeah, you're like, uh, what about red pill? You didn't come up with Operation. You just came up with Red Pill. Sure. That's and, uh, fascinating. Yeah. From that, we're like, Operation Red Pill. That's catchy. Well, that's funny because it is kind of a, to what you guys were saying, the, the cultural acceptance of the term Red Pill. Like, and everybody right. just knows what, what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. All right. What makes you guys different from other content providers, Jason? You know, there's an old saying that says, you know, it's it's right to ask tough questions, but it's tough to ask the right question. 
And I think that's what we strive to do. Mm-hmm. We strive to ask the right tough questions, the ones that people don't really think about or think to ask. Uh, we also are endeavoring to reveal hidden relationships between things that seem completely unrelated. Mm. Um, that's a, a, a passion of Christopher and I um, to constantly point out those type of relationships. And I think the the final thing that makes us unique in this space is our uh, particular desire to connect people with resources that they otherwise wouldn't pursue, you know, and present those sources in a way that people find interesting and intriguing. You know, there's a lot of people I think I wish other people would actually sit down and either read their material or watch the material, but the reality of life is they're just not going to. Yep. And while I don't want to say that's necessarily okay, I think that God has at least in his foresight created an option to deal with that, which is all right. Now that a person has that, or, you know, we have that, we can be that source to give to other people where they may not go back and listen to the people that we were talking about. At least maybe they can get that information passed on. And yep. I think that's one of the things that makes us unique in this space, asking tough questions, revealing hidden relationships between concepts that seem unrelated, and then connecting people with resources that they need but wouldn't actually run down and pursue. Makes sense, Christopher? Yeah, I would agree. I think we're kind of this this in-between um, kind of, oh, I don't know if I'd use demographic, uh, but we like to think deeply, um, m- maybe more than than the average, but we're not necessarily what you would consider intellectuals. Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of right here in the middle ground to help connect the average person from w- the the type of content that, that is swimming around in um, intellectual circles. Yeah, and this is really important, I think, because there is so much information out there about everything. It's really hard to not go down the wrong rabbit hole trails. And right. you guys, I think, do a good job of figuring out you don't need to go down those rabbit trails because they don't get anywhere. Here's some main lines that we've found that you can do deeper dives down. Right, right. And to your point, connecting connecting things that you wouldn't realize were connected, but then when you see it, oh, that is obviously connected. Yeah, I remember Christopher and I were having a conversation one time and uh, we were talking about how you, you hear a lot in society that we are no longer as a country or as a, as a culture as racist as we used to be. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you constantly hear about how we've become increasingly anti-Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, we become more hostile to Christianity, more hostile to Jesus Christ, more hostile to the doctrines of Scripture. So as we were, were going through this idea, we landed on this question, which was, how did you how did we as a culture presumably go from being unrighteous to more righteous, while at the same time go away from God to less God? Hmm. How's that work? Yeah. Doesn't seem like it works at all, mm-hmm. which then kind of turns the whole idea up on its head. And you're like, wait, I don't think we are getting better, mm-hmm. even though we're told we are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to make sense because there's a relationship between those, but that relationship's obscured. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It's those type of conversations, those type of questions that are being asked that we hope help people see things differently. Yep. Makes sense. Okay, I want to go back back a little bit because I wanted to ask this question. Sure. What are some what you guys mentioned anti Christian overtones in the Matrix films? What what do you point to in the Matrix films to to say that's that's anti Christian in the Matrix films? We well, got a whole breakdown okay. that we're gonna do a whole <clears throat> episode on the Matrix. 
uh, one of your two hours. No, no, this is future state. This is another uh, project we're working on. A separate thing. Yeah. Um, the first you want to get into some of that though? Well, I can just, yeah, one right off the top of my head. Um, and you have to look at the whole matrix trilogy. Like the first one, it would be really easy to take that apart and make it look like Neo is this, um, you know, type of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's issues with that, but it's real obvious to see as the, um, the movies went along, Neo is supposed to be the savior, right? Mm -hmm. So all of these people, it was even taught in churches that, oh, look, this is a great way that we can teach Christ in the church using mainstream media. Um, and then all of a sudden you get to the next film and find out, well, there's really been multiple anomalies. So Christ isn't the only way. There was all these other ways that you could, you could be saved or that people were saved from the matrix using a different type of Christ figure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. There wasn't, there's not a bunch of different ones. Mm -hmm. So just in that alone flies in the face of, of, of pure Christian doctrine. It's good. I like that. You know, you also have to look at the names that are used. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Excuse me. The names of the characters are very telling for what the filmmakers are trying to get you to understand. Mm -hmm. The fact that the person who comes to basically wake up Neo, who's a, who's, who's a new age Christ, is uh, called Morpheus, and Morpheus is uh, a god of dreams. In what culture? I believe it's the Romans, the Greek or Romans. Greeks or Romans. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, but he's the, the god of dreams. So here you have another god figure coming to wake up this quote-unquote neo-guy who also has two different personalities to him. You know, his name is Thomas Anderson. Mm -hmm. um, that's another telling sign because he's not accidentally named that. Well, the, the Wachowskis actually said that they intentionally chose names to have multiple meanings. Right. And so, wow. like, Thomas and Ander uh, is man. Thomas Ander? Well, no, Ander. Ander is yeah, man. Is man. So, Ander's son is son of man. Oh, wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. So, none of the stuff is accidental when you start stacking things up. And you got to look at, you know, the, the, uh, you got to look at the um, age of Smith mm -hmm. and the programs. Mm -hmm. You know, there's normally three of them. Mm -hmm. Speaks of a Trinity. Mm -hmm. Then you've got actual Trinity, who's like his wife or his girl. Mm -hmm. What are we talking about? Is that the church? What what type of uh, ideas are you trying to paint with this type of metaphor that you're building? Because in in the Bible, the, the church is the the bride of Christ. Right. Is that the connection? Right. Okay. But then Neo's also brought down to, uh, to Zion. Mm -hmm. And in scripture, you know, Zion, you would think it would be like heaven or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you notice in the films, it's actually deep in the bowels of the earth. Mm -hmm. Kind of looks a lot like hell. And when mm -hmm. you first get shown this whole Zion party, it's like a giant orgy. Yeah, I remember that. Right. I'm like, so you named it Zion just because what? That was on accident. Right. I mean, that that was on, on purpose. Yep. So you start to see these themes build. Stacks up. Yeah. Over time and then over three films, they become more and more apparent. And the real sad thing is that if Neo is an archetype uh, of, of Christ, but on an anti-level, then you got to look at Agent Smith, who's trying to correct a bad, quote unquote, version of Christ. Mm -hmm. But he's painted as the evil person. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't the person who's bringing correction to the wrong type of Christ from a scriptural perspective be the right Christ? Sure. You see how it's inverted? Yep. Yeah. But like I said, when we, we're going to do a whole Upcoming. episode on that when we give it its uh, fair share of attention. All right. We'll look forward to that one. 
So your episodes seem to have a lot of information in them. From what sources do you glean your information? And very importantly, how do you determine if a source is credible? Jason? That's a great question. Um, and that's one of those ones that uh, Chris and I get a lot. And I think that um, what's important for people to understand, we don't necessarily have one source that we go to. There are a lot of different sources. In fact, you could probably break them up in, I would say, about three different categories. We've got daily check-ins, got some auxiliary sources, and then we got stuff that we use for topical studies. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to daily check-ins, you know, typically Christopher and I are referring to a handful of podcasts almost on a daily basis. You know, you've got Truth Unedited um, on YouTube, which is a wonderful resource for understanding um, practical breakdowns of politics and things that are happening in mainstream news. You got LED Ministries, mm -hmm. which break down pop culture uh, from a biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. Ted Brower Show, um, which does world news and health research. You've got uh, Call for an Uprising, which which deals with occult influences in pop culture. And then the Sheila Zelensky Show and Skywatch TV, which are also good resources for world news. We're only checking in on those roughly on a daily or bi-daily basis. Then we've got uh, auxiliary sources like Chuck Missler or Tom Horn from Skywatch TV. You've got Steve Quayle. Uh, you've got Don't Let Them Burn. Uh, Mike Winger on YouTube and, and Vody Bakum. Really great resources uh, to get into for people. And then there's topical studies based on whatever research we're doing. Um, we look at certain authors. Some of our core authors are people like J.P. Moreland, mm -hmm. who's really good at breaking down things from a philosophic level. Jim Mars, who's a secular author, but deals with forensic assessment of problems in society. Really, really good author. And he also deals with a lot of fringe ideas, but gives factual research uh, in his investigative journalism to show where he got a lot of this information. Tom Horn, again, is another one. Frank Turek is another person that we listen to. Steve Quayle, uh, and of course, Chuck Missler. He, these guys start showing up in, in a few of these guys like Chuck, Steve Quell, Tom Horn, uh, JP, these guys are not lightweights. They're mm -hmm. considered um, pillars mm -hmm. in, in the Christian theological, uh, not society, but in that space. Yeah. So we're looking at people who are credible, people who have got a track record, and people who are presenting material while still citing their sources and redirecting you over to, hey, take a look at this. Mm -hmm. Hey, investigate this. And I think scripture gives a really good framework for how we should be looking at this. And that's take, take things with an open mind, mm -hmm. but then go do your own research. Yeah, Search it out. Make sure it's true. Yeah. Which is why we appreciate authors like this, because they're oftentimes dealing with source material and directing you mm -hmm. to go do your own research. To the second part of that question, you know, how do we determine if a source is credible? I think there are a few things um, that we use. Number one, it's not just a statement that's made. We're looking at a at a collection of different things that are said in order to build credibility. Mm -hmm. um, we're also looking to make sure that the stuff that they're pointing out, you know, is it logically consistent? Is it empirically adequate? Is it experientially relevant? Does it provide a, a coherent framework that doesn't contradict itself? That takes time to, to build. Yep. But when you start dealing with certain sources repetitively that check those boxes, yep. they start to earn your trust yep. so that you don't have to go through all of that work each and every time. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yep. Uh, that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Uh, Christopher, do you have anything to add? No, that was pretty good. Awesome. 
Thank you, sir. <laughs> passion aside, where do you guys get your drive to start? Where did you get your passion to start a podcast? And how do you keep going week after week? Uh, well, <clears throat> the way that we keep going, uh, it's just things seem to keep falling in our lap. Mm-hmm. Like any time that we, in the, in the early days, you know, thought, well, maybe this isn't something that we should do or whatever. But everywhere that we turned... Um, like Jason was saying in the beginning, people were like, oh, I, you guys should do a podcast. Or I had people, like I'd explain I don't know, one thing about the Civil War at work. And the guy was like, I could listen to you talk about this stuff all day. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's a little creepy, but <laughs> 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 you know, maybe we should do something with this. And every time we turn around, we're seeing a need for it. And not, not just other people. Like it's um, things that we've come to the realization of, like movies that we used to like. We're like, oh, this actually isn't, yeah. isn't teaching us the right thing, you know, Yep. or things that are happening in politics. Like you can't, you can't look any direction without um, realizing that there is a need for truth. And yes. Somebody needs to, um, to stand on the Bible and say, this is how we're supposed to handle this. Yeah. So. Truth is a valuable commodity. Yeah, I think it was Winston Churchill said that truth is so valuable that she's often guarded by a bodyguard of lies. Mm. I'm like, yeah, that's what you see. That's a good quote. A lot of times people are, are constantly making sure they hedge the truth or suppress it with misinformation or with it's flat out lies. And it takes someone that can put their finger on it and be like, uh, uh, this is really what's true. Yeah, I, I like that question, though, man. I think that for that person that's wondering that, one of the things to keep in mind is that this is not necessarily just a drive of passion. Mm-hmm. It's really a calling. Mm-hmm. And so it's really the Holy Spirit that's constantly refueling us because you can get burnt down on this stuff easy. You can get depressed easy. Yeah. You know, this stuff eats up time doing research and, and you know, doing the investigating and cross-checking and fact-checking and all the other checks that you got to do just to be deemed credible. That stuff's not easy. Yep. And it requires a lot of time and a lot of energy. And if it's not the Holy Spirit that's actually fueling you going, hey, I got you. I can give you some more patience or I can give you some more energy. I can give you some more insight. You'd burn out. So what I'm hearing you say is it's easier to binge a Netflix show rather than look <laughs> into the abyss of and the horror of yeah, The problem comes when you binge a show and the Holy Spirit's right next to you and goes, so what do you see? <laughs> Yeah, like nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you use your spiritual eyes. What do you see? Stop. Yeah. Aren't your office hours over? <laughs> but I want to talk. Yeah. Then you got a problem. Yeah. Oh, that's good and true. Passion aside uh, that I already asked you that. Is there a certain demographic or heart that you guys are trying to reach, Christopher? Um, I think there's uh, two different demographics that we really want to try to reach. Uh, the thinking believer or the fighting warrior. So somebody that's, you know, holding on to the Bible and looking this, looking at the things that are going on and saying that something's wrong. Um, Would that know. be the first demographic? Yeah, right. Okay. The thinking believer. And the fighting warrior. Yeah, that'd be the first one. Oh, okay. sorry. Was I not clear about that? My bad. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for that, that correction. <laughs> and the, the second would be the intellectually wounded or abandoned by the church mm. or the French skeptic. Mm. And there's a lot of those. Yes. Agreed. I think uh, Frank Turek in his book, Stealing from God, says that there's something like 75% of believing college students, that's people that believe in Jesus Christ when they go to college, will abandon their faith. 75% will abandon their faith before they graduate. Staggering. Yeah. I definitely think that's because the church has abandoned them. Mm -hmm. If they didn't outright wound them and, and, and abuse them. 
Yeah. So, Jason, anything to add? No, I think Chris said it beautifully. I, I would agree. Yeah. If people want to be on your show, how do they go about doing that? Send a check to Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys take Venmo? <laughs> sure. Well, Christopher said he takes check. I, I'll take whatever. <laughs> Bitcoin. If it's Venmo, Venmo, make sure it's under $600. Just so so the IRS can't flag it. So send me uh, like five ninety nine on Venmo, five ninety nine on Apple Pay. You know, you got to spread it out a little bit. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) That's good. No, but I think uh, in Uh, all seriousness, um, if you want to be on the show, drop us a line. How? Facebook. uh, Go to the go to our website, truthfullyarmed dot com. Just at at the top, um, leave a comment. Any of that, we really want to hear back from our audience. So if you've got a great idea or you're interested in uh, opening up a dialogue, mm-hmm. hit us up. Hit us up there. You can do it. Uh, send us a direct message on Facebook. You can DM us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, we are in the uh, cyberspace. You're in the cyberspace. Yeah, and we're actually pretty easy to get a hold of. So it's not like one of those shows where you hear us and then you you can't get a hold of the person that you talk that you want to talk to. We're actually looking forward to hearing more from our audience. I can vouch for that. I've connected with you guys on your website based to how you guys say contact us here. And I've contacted you there and gotten a fairly immediate, immediate response. Yeah, man, we love it. Yeah, we, because uh, Truthfully Armed has actually been up for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of what we did was writing articles or, or sharing articles and things like that. And we didn't get a lot of feedback. Uh, so we're hoping um, that with the podcast, you know, we're not just standing on a tower and, and telling people this is what you need to look at. We're really looking forward to the feedback and, you know, what do you think? Do you think we're wrong here? You know, do you want us to cover something else? Like we're really looking forward to that. Yeah. All right. How would you recommend new fans of your work approach you guys on this new platform? How should they go into listening to what you have to say? Christopher, we'll start with you. Well, I would say keep an open mind and uh, look into the things that, that we bring up that might interest you you know, separate from us, just because if we happen to be good enough that we make it sound good and interesting, don't just leave it there. Like, you know, look into it on your own. And also because we cover so much stuff, try to remember that we don't have to agree on everything. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way Jason and I don't even agree on everything. <laughs> That's only when you're wrong, <laughs> which is rare, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, you know, if there's a couple things in an episode that you don't necessarily agree with, just you know, put it on the side, put it on the back burner, you know, yeah. listen to the, the subsequent episodes or, or the later ones or whatever. Um, Cause really all we're trying to do is shine a light, you know, to point people in the right direction. And it's the, it's the listener's job uh, to look and see if there's really something there. Well, is it also maybe fair to say that they can take cues from you guys and do deeper dives, just like you guys have done deeper dives dives. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And then in connection with that question, you listed off a lot of sources. Can people find that on the website or should they just drop you a line and be like, Hey, you mentioned a bunch of stuff. I want to look at this. Where, where can I go do more research into this topic? Um, we don't have a place directly on the website for that, but what we do have, uh, what we're doing moving forward is in our episodes, any source material we use to help uh, do that episode or produce that episode. We're listing that in the show notes. Awesome. Um, so there'll be hyperlinks and, places that people can go to, to kind of deepen their understanding and expand their, their library. Awesome. I love it. Let me throw the question, the same question to you that I just asked. 
Um, Jason, get your take on it. How would you recommend new fans of your work approach you guys on your new platform and how should they go into listening to what you have to say? Well, I would love for them to approach us on our new platform. Hopefully, um, carefully a little bit, especially if they disagree, because sometimes people can be very passionate about what they disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a little difficult to filter while you're at your day job, somebody yelling at you on, on your website. Um, but I still hope, like I said earlier, that people would reach out and contact. Um, but as far as how they should go into listening to what we have to say, I think there's another good saying um, that goes that condemnation before investigation is one of the worst things you can do. Mm. Uh, in other words, it prevents a person from receiving truth, especially if they've already decided, nope, don't want to hear that, don't care, you're wrong. Keep an open mind, investigate, find out, you know, come to your own conclusions for sure, mm-hmm. but do some of the work. Yeah. Sur- search it out. And like Christopher said, if you disagree with this, hey, cool, no sweat. Yeah. You know, but at least it's helping a person wake up from out of that matrix that says, don't think, don't pay attention, just stay on the treadmill of your day to day, live your life, nothing to see here. Yep. Well, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. We really want to wake people up and be like, yo, 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 the world's on fire. You got to do some things <laughs> to make sure you get safe, else you spend an eternity with fire. You don't want that. Yep. You right. Know what I'm right. Yep. But yeah, that's what I would hope people would do. Awesome. Closing thoughts. Um, check us out. You know, March 30th, we're going to have this podcast ready. Um, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast. Uh, we really want to... Google. Google. Yep, yeah, that one too. Yeah, and we're interested to know what you think. You know, let us know if you like it, if you don't like it. Or, um, you know, like we said earlier, if there's something you want us to cover, uh, we're, we're not opposed to that either. My closing thoughts would be, please don't be turned off by the two-hour episodes of the miniseries. <laughs> I, I promise it, it's just for the miniseries. One hour is where we want, really want to try to keep it. Yeah, honestly, I, I just want to say something to you guys. I think that the two-hour two hour episodes are fantastic because it, it's hard to get as deep as you guys want to get with this stuff, and you're building a foundation here in this miniseries. So I'm excited for the two-hour episodes. I want to listen to them. One clarifying thing. Is it March 30th or 31st? 30th. Wednesday, midnight, March 30th. Well, gentlemen, I believe that's all the time we have for today. Thanks, Lance. It was wonderful being here. Yep. Thank you, sir.